Well, good morning. I hope you enjoyed your extra hour of sleep. Is that a real thing? If you have kids, that is not a real thing. Our five-year-old was up at 5.24 new time this morning. That was awesome. It was really amazing. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good attempt to give us more sleep, but then the Huskies play until like midnight, right? Anyway, moving on. I'm going to get off to that. This is the final talk in our Romans series today, and we've actually been in Romans since like June-ish, and we're pumped to be landing this. We did a few different series during the course of Romans, and if this is your first time with us or you're fresh the last few weeks, as you realize, every talk stands alone, but we usually do series Although today is just a standalone because we're going to wrap up Romans 15, 16 and uh, glean what that can help us discover and, uh, yeah, have a good time doing it. I'm pretty pumped for those of you who've been around, seeing me hobble around or like wheel around, had an ankle surgery four weeks ago, but I'm like walking in a brace now, so I feel a little bit of victory, so I might go back and forth on the stage a little more just, just in celebration today. Praise the Lord. Uh, Today's big idea for the talk is simple, and it might sound familiar. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. From the beginning of the series, ultimately like all of the series, it's been plain that we're all broken. In some way, shape, or form, we're all broken, and uh, we have sin and and that's just a reality. Or either we have sin or we're about to. And uh, so we, we need the grace of God in our life, the mercy of God in our life. And, and so in some way, we're all broken. And it's that brokenness that allows the mercy of God just to flood into our life. And uh, that path of mercy ultimately is through our brokenness that reveals God's love to us. And so even in our weakest moment, it's a beautiful thing for God because he comes after us in our weakness and makes himself known. The gospel, this word, means good news. And so obviously, this is good news for for everyone that we read about in this book of Romans written by Paul, who ultimately grasps good news. He was a murderer of followers of the way. In the time they were called that, followers of Jesus. Those who believed that Jesus died, gave his life on the cross for their sins, rose again three days later. He was trying to take them out to keep that from spreading. So he gets the fact that this is ultimately good news because Jesus came and transformed his life. So we have this door today that we get to open up and look at that shows us as followers of Jesus, when we walk into a room, ultimately, we should bring good news with us. We should bring a more positive light to a room. We should bring hope into a room. Not judgment, not condemnation, not looking down on others, but ultimately, we should be the ones that bring others up. That's what God shows us over and over again in Romans, how to do that, how to be the genuine ones, how to be the ones that are longed for in the presence of others 
And so how do we do that? How do we take this mindset, if you will, of I'm a good news bringer and unpack that into our world today? And that's what we're going to discover. Romans 15.30 is where we'll start. Dear brothers and sisters, not like literally his brothers and sisters. Those are other people who follow Jesus. He says, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and will be an encouragement to each other. So, thought number one is this. Everything begins with prayer. Everything begins with prayer. Paul here is clearly making an appeal in his final words to the Roman church. He's like, making this clear appeal for them to pray with him for the work he is attempting to accomplish. He's on mission with Jesus, and he's trying to get them to join in his struggle by praying. Join in his struggle by praying. Prayer is a struggle at times, right? I mean, sometimes you read throughout Scripture, and when they were with God, when they were meeting with God, they literally were wrestling with God. Prayer is a struggle, but it's a struggle we get to enjoy. Prayer joins you to the struggle of whomever you're praying for. Be it somebody who's making an impact with the gospel or somebody who's struggling in life, when you pray for someone, you join in their struggle. That's powerful. It's powerful for everyone we know not to do life alone. So Paul's speaking to this in in his approach. Join me in my struggle. If we're going to let anyone know about the good news of Jesus, we'll have to pray for everyone who needs the good news and for everyone who's sharing the good news. It all begins with prayer. I love in our communication team meetings what we dialogue about. And one of the things Pastor Brent at the Sumner campus said this week resonated with me. He simply just said, prayer is inviting God into the middle of our mess. Isn't that so true? So when we pray for others, we're getting engaged in the middle of their mess, which is okay and and desired and actually necessary. Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do for people. For both the sharer of the good news and both the one who is impacted by the good news being shared to them. Prayer is powerful. I just look at this and go, man, prayer is such a practical, practical application of our faith. Yet for some reason we're slow to do it, right? We're like ah, well, I'm not a pastor, so maybe my prayers don't mean as much. Or, you know, I didn't go to seminary, so maybe I don't know how to pray exactly. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Just have a dialogue, right? It's so practical. 
Why? Because it opens our eyes to what the Holy Spirit would have us see. It fine-tunes our receptivity to the struggles of others. Gives us a heart of compassion. And maybe you're you're ready for a first step, and you're just going, yeah, I want to do something with my faith. What can I do? And you're wondering how to get the ball rolling. I just wanted to give some practical suggestions here in thought one about everything beginning with prayer. And for many of you, uh, I believe we underestimate its power. We underestimate what we have the power to do, even when we have that connect card in our hand, and we turn it over and see a little area that says prayer or praise requests or whatever on there. And you, you, don't, you think, man, I'm just writing down a prayer request. But it's so much bigger than that. It really, really, really is. That's like an act of faith. That's like asking God to begin to just make a difference in that prayer request. And, and sure, as pastors and as staff, we pray for that during the week. But there's nothing more powerful about our prayer than there is about your, your group praying for you or you praying with somebody that's a neighbor or whomever or your prayers. But there's something powerful about the act of saying, I know prayer makes a difference. I'm going to write my prayer request down. It's like God just loves that, loves the faith engaged in that moment right there. Simply tell God what's going on and watch him go to work on your behalf. A connect card. That easy, right? Well, as well, you have the opportunity to pray for others, right? And I just want to pose the question, do you pray for others? Do you pray for your family? Do you pray for your neighbors? your pastors, your missionaries. I mean, this week there was an uprising in, in Jakarta, Indonesia. And one of the missionaries we support was in Jakarta and asked for prayer. And I couldn't share his name online because that would have been dumb and bad and dangerous for him. But I just said, hey, pray for our friends in Indonesia because there was some radical dangerous moments there, and uh, he was right in the middle of it. I mean, we have a difference to make a ripple effect to the other side of the world. But if you don't pray for others and your family, neighbors, and pastors, but yet you believe the gospel is for everyone and that it all begins with prayer, then ultimately your actions say your faith is just for you if you're not praying for others. We need to get our, if we want to activate like the passion in our life, we need to turn our focus on others and see what can happen through us. One of the things I love about Paul, as he's writing this here in Romans 15, is he's asking the church, the followers of Jesus, to pray for his understanding that the fruit he was experiencing was a collective reality and not an individual one. In other words, what he was going to accomplish on his missionary journey, if you will, on his journey sharing the gospel, what he was going to do was not possible without the prayers of the church. Everything Paul was accomplishing in the faith was due to his surrender and the faith of many, not just himself. His role to be the one to initiate ministry in the churches was kind of how, what God put on him. 
That was his call. But the church's call was to support him in prayer. So it was really kind of a, a cool thing that the church got to, to realize is that everywhere he went, they were there with him. It's awkward getting, getting honored in the community personally when I, I know that the reality of me being honored personally in the community is because of what we're doing collectively as a church. I mean, it's awesome, but at the same time, it's awkward to get an award for being a community uh, ambassador or whatever the award would be, as we've received quite a few over the course of the last six years that Open Life has existed. And it's hard to share, honestly. It's hard to share that win. But yet, anywhere I am, as a pastor of Open Life, you are, as those that are praying for the church to have inroads in the community and make an impact. But yet, it's really awkward to share those wins, personally. I look at Romans here in Romans 15 and go, Paul is wrestling with that same reality, right? He's getting... He's going with this offering. First of all, I think it's hilarious that he's praying that a church would accept his off, his, his, the money he's bringing. Have you ever known a church not to accept money, right? Man, pray because I'm bringing like a sweet amount of cash to this church in Jerusalem, and I'm just praying they want it. Anyway, just never known a church to... to I guess I shouldn't joke about that because I'm a pastor, so... In fact, I think in our notes we said, don't joke about that. I just did it. There it is. It's out. Um, that was awesome. But anyway, because uh, I was thinking it the whole time. I'm like, pray that they'll accept the offering. Really? Like, that's, a, that's an important prayer, I guess. And uh, so I'm just looking here and going. So he's wrestling with the tension of them realizing, Paul, you're the only one out there. Paul, you're the one going from city to city and, and leading people to Jesus. Yeah, he's also the one going to jail and, and almost dying because people are stoning him and, and beating him. But he's making sure the church knows the only way this is possible, the only way these doors are opening, the only way we continue to have favor is because you're praying. And it's the same way for us today. Not just me, but you. The only way you're going to meet your neighbor and know their name so you can begin to pray with them. Especially if you're an introvert, which is not a bad thing. That's who God made you to be. Doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. God wants you to be active in the lives of others. Because you're the light. You're the hope. You're bringing the good news. So we sit here and, and we pray for one another so that we can take advantage of the opportunities God puts before us. Where you go, we are. Where I go, you are. That's the reality of what Paul is communicating here. He is just the vessel. You're the hero of the story. It's interesting to put that into perspective. When you pray for us as a staff and and when we're struggling on the work of ministry, I mean, we need discernment for things. I'll give you this week. Just give you a glimpse of this week because it's kind of fun. 
uh, to look at. Paul's struggle again was to get people to accept an offering. That was his, his challenge. But this week, uh, if you were praying for your pastors, in our meetings alone, this, these are some of the things that we were working through. Um, we were working through the right way to invest into marriages. Uh, we had a two-hour conversation about it, wrestling with, man, how can we help great marriages invest in other marriages that want to be great? How can we help great marriages be greater? How can we help those that are going to maybe not make it through the holidays unless God does a miracle get their miracle? So we are praying. Is it, is it, is it we put resources in people's hands? You know, what do we do now? What do we do a year from now? What do we do five years from now? Do we build a conference strategy? Do we have marriage mentoring programs? Do we have groups and recent, you know, all of the above? Who does this? Who can we empower? I mean, that was one conversation. Man, we need your prayer for that one still, just so you know. The other one, how can we help our Bonnie Lake Police Department hand off the Giving Tree program in Bonnie Lake? Funny, it's not Open Life's program, right? No, but we're, we don't want to be the best church in our community. We want to be the best church for our community. And so when... The Bonnie Lake Police Department's director of the Bonnie Lake Giving Tree for a thousand kids retires and then has a heart attack, so they can't lead this initiative. And there's thousands of gifts from Toys for Tots and all these other organizations, and they're going, What do we do? What do we do? And they call Open Life. And I'm on the phone going, Dear Jesus, that's a big task. We got big give in two weeks. We got to give. We're feeding a thousand people. How can we do a thousand, you know, or actually four thousand some people, but a thousand families? How in the world could we take on the giving tree too? Well, what if I help churches partner with the local campuses and blah, 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 blah. Man, we need your wisdom as to how involved to get into that, but as well that you'd be praying for somebody to step into that role that was led by somebody else that was amazing in our community. Simple. Not too stressful. What can we do? Another thing we were looking at to reverse who needs help, who waits, if you would, in the foster care program. We delivered the 50 uh, sweet cases. And I say we loosely. I wasn't there. As Heidi Miltmore and Beth Spencer went and delivered 50 cases that 30-plus of you assembled and, and delivered them down to Olive Crest, South Sound, and Tacoma so that kids coming into foster care would not go with a trash bag, but they'd go with a sweet duffel bag with a stuffed animal and some stuff inside. How could we do more than just supply them, though? How could we help people in preventative care, fostering, adopting? How could we inspire people to not just say, yes, it's a need, bless them, let's give towards it, but step up and open their homes and us change who waits. Instead of kids waiting for homes, there'd be homes waiting for kids. So we pray for that. Lord, give us wisdom. How do we, how do we lead? How do we inspire other churches to engage this in Pierce County? Another thing, how can we help hundreds of homeless in our community or the, the multitudes on the edge of homelessness? How can we help them with practical resources that they so desperately need? There's a need. There's no director of homelessness in our community that's paid $175,000 a year. Not better against King County or anything. And moving on. Uh, $175,000? That's the problem. Okay, moving on. 
In 2017, how can we help you love your neighbor? I mean, that's one of the things we're looking at is all of our sermons for 2017. And how in that, not only in our sermons, but in what we resource in the book we give away to first-time guests. You know, what can our emphasis be for 2017? And how can we empower you to love your literal neighbors and practically walk out your faith? Not only that, but celebrate the stories and, and, and get those stories and, and just help you love well. So we wrestle through that. And then there was that moment when we wrestled through what Sunday would be the right Sunday to promote, like, kids wear your Christmas pajamas, and whether you could actually even voice your opinion if you didn't have kids. It was a powerful moment in one of our staff meetings this week. It was kind of funny. It was, it was hilarious to me and, and awkward for those without kids that were voicing their opinion. But it was amazing. You know, what was the right Sunday to do ugly sweater what was, those seem like not important decisions, and in fact, they probably are absolutely not important, but we appreciate your prayer for such important discerning moments in the life of your staff for the church, which are, it's so crazy. This is just, this is one, like, a couple days this week that we were wrestling over these things, and, and everything begins and ends with prayer. So those things do take a decision. And those things do take preparation and training. And, and, I mean, it's like where we go, your prayers are impacting our efforts. Where you go, our prayers are impacting your efforts. And we need to recognize that. This is all beginning and ending in prayer. And Paul recognized that. In fact, all of Romans 16, 1 through 16, which we're not going to take the time to read, is him addressing people who invested in him through prayer or opened their home for a church or did this or that for the ministry. And he's thanking them and he's, he's saying, I couldn't have done this without you. And he names the people and it's powerful. I love that because he understands who the hero of the story is and it's not him. It's God sending Jesus and the Holy Spirit to empower people, all of us, to reach people with this crazy good love that Jesus gave us. It continues in Romans 16, 17. He turns a corner and, and wants to open their eyes to something. It says, now I make one more appeal, my brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy, and I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet, or your feet, it says. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Thought number two, by faith in Jesus alone. By faith in Jesus alone. Don't be deceived by the teaching that is contrary to Jesus, Paul's saying. You heard me preach. Jesus came, went to the cross, rose from the dead three days later, rose to heaven, gave us this eternal promise. If we put our faith in him, we'll have eternal life. Faith alone, justified by faith alone, nothing else necessary. Don't let them put these rules on you. 
Don't let them deceive you that you need Jesus and something else. And don't let, don't let yourself be deceived that you can add Jesus to whatever you want to bend Jesus to be. Paul gets this. Again, man sinned, God saved through Jesus alone. We have nothing to do with the solution. We just have an opportunity to embrace Jesus through faith. We're not to be moved by an appealing gospel that uses Jesus to endorse the interests of man or to surrender our interests to the one who gave us life for us. That's the challenge here. We have the opportunity to let our faith be shaped by Jesus instead of shaping Jesus to our idea of faith. Good news for broken people like you and me. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is for everyone, and by faith in Jesus alone, we'll all find peace, purpose, a plan, fulfillment, life to the full. Romans 16.25 says, Now all glory to God who is able to make you strong, just as, my, just as my good news says, he said. Thought three, God strengthens us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, a gift from God, empowers us to act. But this is the cool thing. We sometimes don't realize it's the Holy Spirit and we just blow things off as coincidence or whatever, but that unction, that thought that comes to you that, oh, maybe I should engage this or do this, that conscience that says, um, maybe I shouldn't have one more drink before I drive home. That's the Holy Spirit giving you the strength, right? The courage to to close that browser before you look at that person's profile and get even more jealous of someone else's marriage. Holy Spirit giving you strength. The Holy Spirit works in us and is literally our source of power and strength. Ephesians says it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that's at work within us. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit works in us to share the gospel as well, not just to give us unction or conscience, but to to help us make this love that we've embraced from Jesus known to others, not with any return desire, but just to love. We serve to love. That's like the end goal. Obedience, Jesus challenged us to love. Love takes labor. Love takes placing others' timing above our own. In our home, we call those open life moments. Like, why are you late? Why did it take so long to go to the grocery store, Mom? Had an open life moment. That means bumped into many people I know, and we had conversations because we put others before ourselves. And relationships are vital. Like, it's what life's about. So we're going to pause We're going to have conversations. It's an open life moment or an opportunity to serve that, yeah, was outside of the convenience of my schedule, but it was an opportunity, so I'm going to buckle down and make it happen. Love takes consistency and commitment, and the Holy Spirit's there all the time in us. If we made a decision to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is alive within us, giving us the power, guiding us, directing us, 
giving us the strength we need to do what God's challenging us to do. God is able to make you strong through the Holy Spirit. That strength is going to let you do everything he purposes your mind to do. And finally, Romans 16.27 says, All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. All glory to God. Thought four, give glory to God. We get to play a, a part in this thing called life. And God gives us these directives and purposes, and, and, but the only way anything happens is by God's glory. It's him orchestrating it. Without him, we're empty, we're powerless. We need prayers, but without God, our prayers are empty and of no value. I mean, if we're praying to God, but he's not really there, <laughs> right? I mean, we need him to be there, to pray to him. All the glory goes to God. If anything takes forward action, it's him making it happen. Only God, right? We need faith, but if God had not sent Jesus, we'd still be trying to live out the law which failed for generation upon generation. God was so gracious, he sent Jesus. And Jesus lived a sinless life, made his way to a cross, rose three days later, so that we could put our faith in him and have the promise of eternal life. And our lives be new from the inside out, not the outside in. It's not behavioral modification. It's transformation of the heart. And today, I couldn't think of a better way to really put thought four, give glory to God into action, as well as just make a commitment to God of our action point today than communion. Our action point is share the good news with everyone. And communion is our just saying, I identify with this good news, the good news of Jesus, that he gave his body represented by the bread, and he shed his blood on a cross for us, which you, we take the bread. Here, this is how we do it. You take the bread, and there's no right or wrong way, but we take the bread and we dip it in the juice, let it kind of drip off so it doesn't go down your white shirt. And then we take that, and what we're doing in that is we're saying, I have chosen to follow Jesus because he gave his life for me, his body and his blood for me. I'm confessing Jesus as my Lord. I'm going to make him known to everyone because I know everyone deserves to know Jesus. They, know, they need to know his love. That's communion. Bible challenges those who have not yet made that, like arrived at that place in their life where they're ready to say, okay, Jesus, you're Lord. If you're not quite there, don't feel bad about not taking communion because you don't want to eat or drink condemnation on yourselves, which is what we can read in the text of Scripture that would say we would do if we took communion without knowing Jesus. So I'm going to give you a chance here to choose to follow Jesus. This might be your first communion experience. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for us as we go out that we're not going out from here as those who would have a prejudice towards who deserves the gospel, but we would go out with a passion for everyone to know the hope we have in Jesus. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come and and open up the Bible and learn from it together today. I pray that, God, you will 
make yourself so real to every individual here. We're all at a different place in our life. We've all got a different story and experience with your grace and your love. And I pray that, Lord, if somebody has walked through the door today and they've yet to choose to follow you and and be able to experience some of the power we've talked here about being prayed for and having your Holy Spirit live within them, I pray that today they would just make that step and say, okay, Jesus, I'm choosing you today. I'm not going to try to get you to conform to my life. I'm going to conform to yours. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. God, as they make that decision today, may it just be life transforming. May the, may the air smell different and the light be lighter and the green be greener and just that same thing that I experienced when I chose to follow you. That their love for people would grow and it would just be all-consuming to figure out, man, how can I express this same love to others that I've experienced? And God, as they make that choice today and, and, and we all recommit to that choice, we identify that we've chosen to follow you by receiving communion today. All glory goes to you, God, that you initiated relationship with us by sending Jesus for us. And so when we take this bread, a representation of Jesus' body, and we dip it in this juice, a representation of the blood that was shed for our sins, we give you praise and thanks, as well as making a commitment that we're going to share your grace and love with everyone. And we thank you for this good news of Jesus that we get to live out in the world today. Give us your strength of the Holy Spirit. Give us eyes that would see and ears that would hear. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand, the worship team's going to sing. And as you feel um, during the course of this song, willing, you can make your way to either table with bread and juice and receive that and then make your way back to your seat. And we'll close you out here in just a second.